like that. You wanna hello, try hello, that. hello, and it's welcome like to this Friday, no, Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Oh my goodness, and before we start off on today's show, I would like to do a program announcement or program scheduling announcement. There will be no show on Friday because obviously Thursday is Thanksgiving. We record these a day in advance. And just in case the Buffalo Bills don't win on Thursday night, Thanksgiving night against the New Orleans Saints, I don't need to worry about it. I don't, I don't really need to worry about it. I can talk about it. I can vent all my frustrations on Monday so I can at least have a few days to process what happened and not do a recording right after the show. But we got family coming in town, and I don't know if I'll be able to do it. So we're just going to cancel the show altogether. But Monday, oh, oh man, Monday is going to be an excellent, excellent show, as will today. But Monday, we've got a United States blog post to get out. The World Cup is a year away, not exactly, but a year away. And the United States, as of right now, currently sits second in the World Cup, CONCACAF World Cup qualifying standings right behind Canada, one point behind Canada, who are coming off a very impressive 2-1 to win over Mexico. The United States, of course, as we talked about a few weeks ago, is coming off a draw against Jamaica after beating Mexico and Cincinnati 2-0 to be on top of the table for a little bit. But now Canada is at top of the table with 16 points. Again, the United States is 15. Mexico sits in third with 14. And I believe Panama is next. But I could be completely wrong. I'm not looking at the standings right now. That's just what I'm trying to remember at. But we got a World Cup blog post to get out. I want to do a video, but my stuff on my laptop is not currently working. So I don't know when the next video I'll be able to make is. So that's a little unfortunate because I do want to make another United States video because we said we were going to do that after the Gold Cup and then after the United uh, the, the NFL season previews, we were going to do all that and never got around to it. Just got busy with work, talking and other things around the show. But I've got a blog post written. I just need to finish up some of the final pieces of it. And since we're not doing a show on Friday, because my initial reaction was when I got done with it, it was like, oh, we'll just do this on Friday. But I was like, oh, we're not doing a show on Friday. And then I said to myself, well, Logan, we can do it on Wednesday. But Logan, no, we've got to do the quarterback prospect rankings. I don't want to release two blog posts and a show on the same day. I'll release a show and a blog post. On the same day, two blogs? That's ridiculous. We don't need to do that. Two blogs. Can you believe someone would do that to you on the same day? So we're just going to dedicate Monday's show to that. So I hope you understand, and we can get going on today's show. And since we don't have a Friday show, we're going to treat this basically like a Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show mixed in with a Wednesday edition, which the only thing we do consistently on Wednesdays anyways is the draft expert week whatever prospect quarterback prospect rankings. That's the only thing we really have that's set in stone to go on Wednesdays. Everything else is just up in the air, pretty much. And with this being a Tuesday right now, the College Football Playoff Rankings just got announced. Sometimes when I record a show on Tuesday, I record it a little bit earlier. Right now, it's 7.51. So the College Football Playoff Rankings have been announced. And unsurprisingly, Cincinnati is finally ranked in the top four. I mean, there was going to be some sort of weirdness that had to go on for Cincinnati not to be ranked in the top four. I think the weirdest thing of the top four, and I guess it's not even really that surprising, is the fact Ohio State jumped Alabama. Is that surprising to anybody else, or is it just me? It's not that surprising. Because if you look at just what they did this past weekend, Alabama beat a good Arkansas team who is still in the top 25 of this rankings, ranked not 25th, 
but they won by seven. Ohio State kicked the shit out of a seventh-ranked Michigan State Spartan team that had a Heisman hopeful on their roster and held him to 20-something rushing yards while exploding for six touchdowns in the first half. So on one hand, it's kind of surprising. On the other hand, it's like, okay, no, Ohio State played their asses off. And Ohio State, like we said on Monday, is getting into a rhythm right now, and it's getting scary. Their defense at the start of the year was awful. We talked about that numerous times at the start of the season. The offense had potential. C.J. Stroud just didn't look confident behind center yet. And obviously, he was hurt as well. He sat out the the fourth game of the season. And then ever since he came back from that, as the schedule has gotten harder, he's played better. And this week, Ohio State is taking on Michigan. And Michigan is a good football team. We're not going to say anything bad about Michigan. They're ranked fifth in the nation right now. But if you really believe, now I could be completely wrong, and I'm open to being wrong about this. You know what? I hope I'm wrong. Because I like Michigan to a certain extent. I don't like, love Michigan, but growing up, I really liked Chad Henney. I liked Mike Hart a lot. Adrian Arrington was on the team as well. I liked these guys. Tate Forcier, Denard Robinson. I tried to do a couple practices without my shoes tied to be like Denard Robinson. Unfortunately, and pretty unsurprisingly, I'm not as fast as him, so my shoes moving as, not slow, but as, like, a lot slower than Denard Robinson, my shoes would fall off. If you're moving that fast, the shoes kind of are just stuck to your feet. If that makes sense. Probably doesn't, but whatever. But Michigan doesn't, hasn't beaten Ohio State in a long-ass time. A long time. Jim Harbaugh was brought into Michigan not only to win national championships and Big Ten titles, but to beat Ohio State, which is something he has not done and Michigan has not done even before him. Like, it's been a while for Michigan to beat Ohio State. And this is the year, at the beginning of the season, when Michigan was playing very, very well and Ohio State was struggling, they just lost to Oregon. Everybody's like, this is the year Michigan beats Ohio State. It's finally the year Michigan ends all the pain and suffering against Ohio State. But now Ohio State looks really damn good. Like, scary good. They just piss-pounded a team Michigan lost to. Their offense looks borderline unstoppable. It looked borderline unstoppable at the beginning of the season. We just needed C.J. Stroud to live up to that potential. And I'm glad I defended him as much as I did on Twitter whenever and on the show when people were bashing him. We went over a whole show with a dude made up a Twitter account just to bash him. We blasted that guy. This is after they just lost to Oregon and struggled against, I think, Tulsa, if I remember correctly. Not even struggled. He just didn't play his best football. And now, betting favorites, now it doesn't really mean a whole hell of a lot to be the betting favorite. I know it's like, oh, that's really cool, the betting favorite. And does it mean anything? Ah, kind of. But C.J. Stroud's now the betting favorite to be the Heisman Trophy winner. This is the same guy that got bashed week two, and Matt Miller, the draft scout, said, Ohio State should dig into their other five-star quarterbacks. We never said that on the show. We never said bench C.J. Stroud. What we did say, though, and we brought this up on Monday, was the fact that he didn't play very well or played average, but Ohio State still went to a national championship game. Let's just say they did. But he still played average. He was at risk of losing a starting job to Quinn Ewers the next year because that's exactly what happened to Kelly Bryant at Clemson with Trevor Lawrence. That's exactly what happened. The highest-rated high school quarterback of all time 
is coming to Ohio State and you're starting up the season struggling. And you're putting up good numbers. Like he passed for a lot of yards against Oregon, but it didn't look great. You'd tell he was lacking some sort of confidence. In the Minnesota game, the first game of the year, started off a little slow, and then it picked up as the game went on. He found his confidence. Oregon, they were down early and pretty much down the entire time. Never had a chance to get that confidence. First drive of the game was pretty much rough to watch. But now he's the Heisman favorite. And they're going up against Michigan, and Ohio State, unsurprisingly, is a favorite even though it's at Michigan. That is the least un- that's the least surprising thing I've heard in these lines all day is that Ohio State is favored by Michigan. Eight and a half is the spread. And I know they just blew out Michigan State like we brought up earlier. They blew out Michigan State, a Michigan State team that beat Michigan earlier. The difference is Michigan's defense is not a walkthrough. Michigan State's is, which is exactly what we talked about when Ohio State and Michigan State were going to play, was, yeah, Kenneth Walker's awesome, but if this gets into a shootout, can Peyton Thorne keep up, and is Michigan State's defense capable enough to at least halt the Ohio State offense? Not stop them, because that's damn near impossible, but just halt them to a certain extent to make it not a blowout. Because if they're throwing the ball and scoring touchdowns, you can't beat them running the football. And that's what happened. They stopped Kenneth Walker and forced Peyton Thorne to throw the football. And yes, he's the second best quarterback in the Big Ten this year. But like we said, there's a big gap between C.J. Stroud and Peyton Thorne. Cade McNamara is arguably the third best quarterback in the Big Ten. 14 touchdowns, two picks to his name this season. 10-1, fifth-ranked team in the nation. Nice offense, mainly focused on the run. Blake Corum and Hassan Haskins are two very, very nice running backs. I don't know if Corum has it. They might have back. I know Haskins is a 1,000-yard rusher. Is Corum a 1,000-yard rusher too? Ah, 778 yards. But they have a good run game. And against Wisconsin, they were able, because Wisconsin at the time they played them had the number one rush. They might still have it, the number one rush defense in college football. And Michigan was forced to throw, and they won fairly easily. It wasn't a game they really struggled with. They won 38-17. They pulled out some flea flickers and all that stuff. Or hook, yeah, flea flickers. But the difference is, with that, uh, Graham Mertz was terrible at that time. He's gotten a little better. Nothing really to write home about, but he has gotten better this season. Wisconsin's playing a lot better right now as well. But Michigan's defense is really good. They're really, they're a good defense. They give it 178 passing yards a game, which is one of the lowest marks in college football. Is that enough to halter an offense that averages 559 yards a game, almost 560 yards a game, and a team that has dominated back-to-back ranked opponents? Now, Michigan had their way with Maryland last week. Both teams struggled to a certain extent against Penn State. But one team beat Michigan State 56-7. The other one lost 37-33 with Kenneth Walker rushing for, I think, four touchdowns or five touchdowns. But it's exciting. I love watching the game, which is what it's called for those of you who aren't aware. But I'm taking Ohio State. <laughs> I don't think Michigan can keep up with them. I don't know if their defense can stop them. Defense is good. I'm not, I don't want to take anything away from their defense. Defense has played really, really good this year. But what other offense have they faced that has really been the same as Ohio State's offense? The next best passing offense on this list is Maryland's. And Maryland's 
ain't nowhere near Ohio State's pass offense. You look at other teams they played, Western Michigan, Washington, Northern Illinois, Rutgers, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Northwestern, Michigan State, Indiana, Penn State, and Maryland. None of those guys have at least, well, two first-round draft picks this year in wide receiver and another one next year probably, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. You don't have a Heisman candidate at quarterback. You don't have an insanely talented but underrated running back in Travion Henderson back there. They don't have that. This is a whole new animal. And numbers are nice. The numbers are nice. But this is it's a different beast. And it's a team, they're going to be motivated, at least I would hope they are. They're at home, but this is a team you have not beaten in forever and will just seems to always have their way. Remember the last time Ohio State came to Michigan? With a new face as a starting quarterback. Dwayne Haskins had his way with the Michigan Wolverines. He didn't have wide receivers like he has right now. Like this, I think, just my gut feeling, I think Ohio State wins by at least 14 points. If I had to guess, just based off recency, what I've seen from Ohio State, what I've seen from Michigan, and again, I don't want to take anything away from Michigan. Because I think they are a more complete team than Michigan State is. Offensively and defensively, Michigan State's defense is terrible. So if anybody was surprised Michigan State lost that game, we tried to play devil's advocate last Friday, talking about how this is a little this is a little mean, isn't it? 19 and a half points of spread is a little mean for the seventh ranked team in the country. But then we said their defense is bad, and I don't think they can keep up with them. I don't think Cade McNamara can keep up with C.J. Stroud. I just don't. I could be wrong, but I just don't think he will. I'm open to being wrong. I I welcome being wrong. But, man, I'm excited. I'm very excited. Alabama, as we were talking about the college football rankings, dropped a third. Alabama's taking on Auburn. I'm not not really worried about that one. I know Alabama is... uh, you know, they had a rough game last week. They lost to Texas A&M earlier this year. But Auburn, Bo Nix, I'm not really fussed about Auburn. Tank Bigsby is a very nice running back. I'm not too worried about Alabama versus Auburn. Auburn's lost three games in a row to South Carolina, Mississippi State, and A&M. They got blown out by Texas A&M. Bryce Young saw what C.J. Stroud did and started balling out. And I love... Auburn's head coach. Brian Harson is awesome. Coach at Boise State really liked the guy. But it's Alabama. Alabama, big brother, will win these two games. Ohio State and Alabama will win these two games. I don't know. What is the line for the Ohio-Alabama game? Ugh, 19, <laughs> 19 and a half. It's the same exact thing as Michigan State-Ohio State. The difference is, though, Auburn's defense is nowhere as bad as Michigan State's. It's not amazing, but it's not terrible. <laughs> it's like middle of the road. Michigan State gives up more yards than they they have this season. Their offense can't even keep up with their defense. But yeah, Alabama, Jamison Williams, John Mechie, Brian Robinson, Bryce freaking Young, the guy that we've hyped up since last year. I was so I'm so happy Bryce Young has turned out to be as good. I mean, it's not surprising. If you followed him coming into Alabama, this is not surprising. We said last year, you can go back and listen to old shows. 
We said Bryce Young is the most talented quarterback Nick Saban has ever had. Will that mean he's the best? I don't know. Time will tell on that. But we're just talking talent. No one he's had is as talented as Bryce Young. You look at some of the other great quarterbacks Alabama's had under Nick Saban. A.J. McCarron, Tua, Mac Jones, Jacob Coker, Blake Sims, John Parker Wilson, Greg McElroy. What other court? Am I missing anybody from the quarterback ranks? Jalen Hurts. Who was the other court? The guy that transferred like three times. Blake Barnett. Like these guys aren't as talented as Bryce Young. Yeah, Mac Jones, Tua, AJ McCarron are were better in the long run for Alabama. But Bryce Young sits on them in regards to just talent. And Bryce Young will be getting better. And next year, I'm very excited for the draft. You got Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud potentially coming out next year. That's exciting. If people aren't sold 100% on this year's draft class, wait till next year's. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud will be out. Are there, what other quarterbacks am I forgetting right now? Spencer Peters <laughs> will be out too. Brock Purdy will be out next year because he'll probably come back at Iowa State. Be like the Jordan Bohannon of Iowa State. Yeah, those two will be awesome. Spencer Rattler will probably be a quarterback next year. But yeah, those are two very exciting games. Cincinnati sticking with the top four. They're taking on, I just saw this. Who are they? East Carolina. They're taking on East Carolina. I mean, we're not really going to talk about it. (laughs) We're not really going to spend a lot of time here. Cincinnati's 14-point favorites. East Carolina's a decent team. Nothing to take away from East Carolina. They're 7-4 on the season. But are they going to be able to stop Cincinnati? No. I don't think so. They've had close games against Navy, Memphis. I don't think they'll be able to beat Cincinnati this weekend. And Cincinnati looks back. They looked like they actually wanted to be in the college football playoff last week <laughs> against SMU. Playing a good SMU team that has a very good pass defense, and you come out there and shut them down. That's what they needed to have happen. Because like we said, if the college football playoff committee can find anything no matter how small, anything to keep Cincinnati out, they will probably do it. We Remember, we have Gary Barta overseeing this thing. It's not like we've got our smartest people working over the college football playoff right now. We got Gary frickin' Barta, who doesn't even know how to run the University of Iowa. <laughs> and now he's tasked with running basically all of college football. Oh my goodness, in Georgia, I get, they play Georgia Tech. I mean, they're not really <laughs> the 35-point favorite. And they... They ain't losing to Georgia Tech. There ain't nothing to talk about that game. But other teams in the top 10, Michigan is number 5, Notre Dame number 6, Oklahoma State number 7, Baylor 8, Ole Miss 9, and Oklahoma number 10. Other teams in the top 25 that are kind of interesting, Michigan State and Oregon plummeted. Oregon dropped from 3 to 11, unsurprisingly. We said they were frauds last week, and we said it on Monday. (laughs) And... That range true. They're ranked 11th. Michigan State dropped from 7 to 12. Wisconsin's 14. Iowa is 16. Pitt moved up one spot. But I guess it was a close game against Virginia, a team they should probably beat fairly easily. They, they didn't struggle. They still won by 10. But I don't know. I don't know what the playoffs committee thinks 90% of the time. UTSA's in it, which is really cool. They're still undefeated. Clemson's back in it. Houston is in it. Arkansas is still in the top 25 at number 25. San Diego State's at 21. Those are the other really weird ones, I guess. Or not weird, just ones that I think people would probably care about to a certain extent. Iowa being at 16. 
Yeah, definitely not the second best team in the nation. <laughs> Again, like we talked about when they were number two. I would love to meet an Iowa fan that actually thought that this team deserves to be number two in the nation. With Spencer Peters at quarterback, you are not allowed to be the number two team in the nation. You're not. <laughs> not allowed. It's against the rules. And this week, we get Iowa against Nebraska. And I, I went on Cole and Company today, which is the show I use. I was I go on every single Friday, but says, hey, it's Tuesday. Since it's Thanksgiving, he's got the rest of the week off, so we came on today. I did not realize this, maybe just because I didn't really pay attention to Nebraska. They're 3-8. and eight. Is that weird? I, I always thought they were in every game they played. I didn't think they were this bad. And then they have lost. I guess I haven't seen them win a lot of games, but I always had them in close games. Well, it might be a little unfortunate that they're 3-8, and eight, but Adrian Martinez is not playing. He's out hurt, apparently. At least that's what I thought I saw, that he's hurt. Could be wrong. Let's go see the, the original tweet. Scott Frost announced that Adrian Martinez will not play on Friday against Iowa due to a shoulder injury. So, shoulder injury against Iowa. He is out. I don't know who's going to be the starter for Nebraska in this game. And ESPN, they're making Iowa the favorites. They give them a one-and-a-half point spread. But on their matchup predictor thing, they give Nebraska a 57.7% chance to win. Iowa has not lost to Nebraska in a very long time. <laughs> they have not lost to them in a while. I would not be happy if going into Saturday, I just watched the Bills lose to the Saints and the Hawkeyes lose to Nebraska. <coughs> I don't think I can handle that. My brain and heart cannot handle that type of abuse. And Nebraska's offense has been explosive, to say the least, this year. They averaged 458 yards a game, almost 459 yards a game. Iowa's explosive offense averages 293. Explosion on all cylinders on the offensive side of the ball. Nebraska averages more rushing yards a game than Iowa does passing the ball. That's sad. That's very, very sad. And Iowa's coming off a three-game win streak, being Northwestern, Minnesota, and Illinois, a lot closer games than what you would probably expect or what you at least hope for anyways. Nebraska, in their last five games, have lost to Michigan, Minnesota, Purdue, Ohio State, and Wisconsin. Every single game being decided by less than 10 points. 35-28 against Wisconsin, 26-17 against Ohio State, 28-23 against Purdue, 30-23 against Minnesota, and 32-29 to Michigan. So to say I'm scared of this game, yeah. It's exactly what we said a few weeks ago when I was undefeated. Remember, we talked about how there's no way they finish the season undefeated. They'll slip up against probably Wisconsin, and I fear in the pit of my stomach, Nebraska. Nebraska's 3-8. and eight. It's not a good record, but they're somewhat competitive in these games. They just can't close them out. I am scared for this Nebraska game more than I have been in previous years. And Adrian Martinez is now not playing. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, because Adrian Martinez has not necessarily been the brightest spot of Nebraska football over his past 18 years at the university. Now, he has been nice this year. He's been a main, their main cog in offense this year. But I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Should I be nervous that he's out? Ironically, that does make me more, more nervous, that their backup quarterback's playing. I don't have a good reason for it, but it makes me nervous that Adrian Martinez is not playing. I don't know who's starting for Iowa. I guess I haven't seen if it's whether Padilla or Petrus. I don't really know. I hope it's Padilla, but I don't know. I really don't know. It's not saying that he's played 
out of this freaking world recently. But he's played nice. A whole hell of a lot less frustrating than the other guy that plays quarterback for Iowa. So I don't know. I'm more nervous about this game than I have been in previous years. And this is probably the worst record Nebraska's had going into this game over the past few years. Which is probably why I'm the most scared of it. Because it's like, Iowa at one point was the second best team in the nation according to the rankings. Nebraska is 3-8. and eight. I would love everything in the world to make Nebraska 3-9. and nine, But something tells me Iowa's going to go 9-3. and three. Just my That's my gut feeling. Knock on wood, though. I don't want it to happen. Would never wish it. Nebraska's my least favorite team in all sports. I think 90% of Iowans can agree on that. Because, you know, there's the odd ones. Like, we hate Alabama for some stupid reason just because, you know, they win all the time. Goodness gracious, those people are are fun. They're really, really fun people, aren't they? And Iowa State, Iowa's other big rival, Iowa State's taking on TCU this weekend. They should beat them. They should beat them. They can't go 6-6, six and six, right? There's no way. They brought back everybody. This this year for Iowa State, since they've never really had this before, to compare it to something that I've experienced, this is like the Orange Bowl team coming back and the Rose Bowl team coming back. Iowa in 2009 went out and won the Orange Bowl. Beat Georgia Tech. Beat the shit out of Georgia Tech. Ricky Stanzi, all the players come back. It's like, okay. This is the year. You're coming off a massive season, winning the Orange Bowl, and then the next year, you go 8-5. and five. That's not where you were supposed to be. That's more on par with typical Iowa. Now, if we're just basing off the history of Iowa State, this is a damn good record for Iowa State. <laughs> the same thing goes with the, the Rose Bowl year. Though, Yeah, they lost the, the Rose Bowl terribly, but you bring back pretty much everybody. You somehow keep Desmond King there. Coming fresh, coming off a Thorpe Award win. And then you go the same thing. What? This wasn't supposed to be. This was supposed to be the year. This is the best team. And then it's not. Iowa, after Drew Tate led them to a Capital One Bowl victory, Tate to Holloway against LSU and Jamarcus Russell, Iowa slowly started teetering down until eventually when Tate left, it was Christensen who got them to a 6-6 six and six season losing to Western Michigan and didn't go to a bowl game. Peak, and then there's a decline. It just seems to be a theme with Iowa sports in general, mainly football. If you're not from Iowa or don't care about Iowa sports that much, you probably won't understand. But as an Iowa fan, growing up an Iowa fan, because remember, I'm not an Iowa fan anymore. I went to UNI. I had to cut all ties with Iowa because I've been at UNI for two and a half years. Remember that. As growing up as an Iowa fan, I was used to this. Iowa State's not. Iowa State, their best season when I was growing up, other than the Seneca Wallace years, was 7-5. and five. They won the Insight Bowl against Minnesota. I went 7-6, and six, I think. Brett Meyer beat TCU. I think they beat TCU. Like their best years were six and five, six and six, seven and five. But now the standard's been raised, and you still can't beat Iowa, and you're around 500 again. And now you're taking on TCU, and you should win. You should totally win. I'm not, you shouldn't lose. You got too much talent on this roster to lose to freaking TCU. And Purdy hasn't played his best. He's had a real 
Ricky Stanzi type career, or not Ricky Stanzi, Ricky Stanzi kind of, I mean, what, what do you go, like 17 and 15 the year Iowa won the Orange Bowl in touchdowns interceptions and threw 30 touchdowns the next year? It's more Drew Tate, where you peak super early, and it's not bad. It's not saying that Brock Purdy ever got bad, because he didn't. Drew Tate never got bad, but his numbers weren't the same. He wasn't the same guy. The team progressively got lower and lower in record. Like, they played Texas in the Alamo Bowl and I think went 7-6, and six, maybe 6-7, six and because they lost to Texas. I don't remember what their record was at that time. Lost to Colt McCoy in the Alamo Bowl. That's what I'm kind of getting from Brock Purdy, kind of Drew Tate-esque, where a lot of kids, if you talk to anybody that's my age or maybe a little older, Drew Tate is the guy. Now, Ricky Stanzi is also the guy. But Tate, I wanted to be Drew Tate growing up. And I'm sure there's a lot of Iowa State fans out there that were in middle school, elementary school, that want to be Brock Purdy. It's the greatest quarterback in your history. Now, Drew Tate was not the greatest quarterback in Iowa history because that honor belongs to Chuck Long. But when you're a kid, that's all you know is that guy, that's the guy. And now he's progressively gotten, again, I keep saying, I feel like I'm saying worse. Brock Purdy is not bad. But it has gone, his numbers have gone down in Iowa State. Peak in the, the, crap, what was the bowl game last year? Fiesta Bowl? Yeah, Fiesta Bowl. And now we're back to average. This is Iowa. So welcome to it. <laughs> you have a team that you think is going to be freaking awesome, and then you just go average. And again, this is not me bashing Iowa State. This is me coming from it from a perspective of, I've experienced this before. I've experienced this exact same thing. Expectations through the roof, and you're average. Now, they've lost some close games. It got unfair. It's extremely unlucky against Texas Tech. Screwed against West Virginia. Lost to Oklahoma. Had a rough game there. Brock Purdy threw a, a bad interception to end the game. Got the shit kicked out of you against Iowa, and then I don't remember anything from the Baylor game. I didn't see anything of that. I remember flipping on that right before we started the show that Sunday and going, oh my god, they lost to Baylor. Never saw anything of it the entire day, and they lost to Baylor. <laughs> Barely beat you and I. But they should beat TCU. I would fully expect Iowa State to go 7-5 and five this year. We said 10-2 at the beginning of the season, 7-5. and five. This is very on Iowa, par with Iowa. But yeah. And then you and I, good Lord, we got some FCS playoff action. I guess I don't know exactly when that started. I should have had that pulled. I did have that pulled up, and now it's gone. Did I get rid of it? <laughs> I got rid of the playoffs. Official playoff bracket. Here we go. Oof. You and I taking on Western, e Western, Eastern Washington. Every time I think of Eastern Washington, I think of Western Kentucky. I don't know. It's the red and black. They're not the same team. They're completely different states. One's West, one's East. But I still get confused on that. I'm a little more <laughs> My brain keeps telling me Western Kentucky. 3 o'clock on Saturday. Number one pass offense at FCS in Eastern Washington. Versus you and I who's got the number one pass defense. Or one of the best pass defenses. Omar Brown, one of the best corners in all of FCS. And the winner of this game gets to take going to Montana. Which is not somewhere I would really want to go. But it's exciting. I mean... Geez, going into Sunday, Bills Thursday, Hawks Saturday, Friday, you and I Saturday. This could be the worst weekend ever like we had a few weeks ago, where every team that I supported lost. <laughs> Pretty bad, too. All of them got blown out. 
But yeah, and uh, when, now that I've got a screenshot of the actual teams, uh, e- Elon, you know, the team I said that was in the FCS playoffs, it's not them. It's East Tennessee State. Uh, that Elon's got a red logo. I don't know why, because I've just pondered on me now. I'm looking at it right now, ETSU. Elon has a red one. And other teams in there, UT Martin was the team I was thinking about the other day that I couldn't remember from Tennessee or Texas. Te- yeah, no, it's Tennessee Martin. And then other teams, Southern Louisiana, didn't really remember what their logo looked like. And Sacred Heart, SHU. Couldn't remember what they looked like. But we got most of the teams down. Got most of them down. <laughs> it's pretty bad. But I apologize for that. Again, I'm not afraid of being wrong. I, I am open and willing to be wrong 99% of the time. But you got to actually tell me I was wrong. Like that, saying Elon was in it? No, I'm pretty sure they're an FBS team. They're not. They're in Drake's conference. I don't know why I said that, too. But other games we got going on in college football this weekend. Thursday... We got the Egg Bowl, Ole Miss taking on Mississippi State. Mississippi State's a one-and-a-half-point favorite over Ole Miss. Now, Ole Miss defense is trash. We have known this the entire season, but I'm still going to take the Rebels in that game. I think they'll take home the Egg Bowl on the road. Iowa-Nebraska, scared of that one. We already talked about it. I'm not going to talk about it again. (laughs) Boise State, San Diego State could be a pretty fun one. San Diego State is favored on the road against number 21, San Diego State. And remember, like we said a few weeks ago, when they played Air Force, every game Boise State has lost up until that point, they allowed a 100-yard rusher. You know who's got one of the best rush offenses in college football? San Diego State. You got know who's got one of the worst pass offenses? San Diego State. So if you can stop the run, make the pass, you'll probably beat them, or at least become close. Cincinnati, East Carolina, we got Missouri, Arkansas, which will be fun, Colorado, Utah, and the North Carolina, NC State. Those games, after the Ole Miss game, will be on Friday. I'm excited for those ones. I'm excited for North Carolina and NC State. I'm feeling an upset from North Carolina. They're six and a half point underdogs, or six point underdogs, but I'm feeling a nice little upset there. Now we got Georgia, Georgia Tech, Ohio State, Michigan, Texas Tech, Baylor, Wake Forest, Boston College, Houston, UConn. 10 and 1 versus 1 and 10 could be exciting. UTSA versus North Texas, Bama, Auburn, Oregon State versus Oregon, Penn State, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Texas AM, LSU, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Pitt versus Syracuse, Clemson versus South Carolina, Notre Dame, Stanford, and BYU taking on USC. And other games around college football that you might care about scrolling down through the FBS rankings. We've got Nevada versus Colorado State, which could be a very fun game. Now, Colorado State, they're not a great team, but they have a very nice pass defense. And Nevada, as we have talked about numerous times, has a nice pass offense and has some very nice weapons in Romeo Dubs and Cole Turner and... Most importantly, Carson Strong. They have a very, very nice team. Very, very nice team. Then we got Kansas State versus Texas this upcoming weekend as well. Other games, we got, look, UCF versus South Florida. That could be kind of fun. Battle for the lesser-known Florida, the smaller Florida teams. TCU-Iowa State, like we talked about earlier, those games will be on Friday. And some games outside the top 25 on Saturday, we got Florida State versus Florida. Army and Liberty could be pretty fun. Army's got a really nice defense and... Obviously, a very tough offense to stop. And speaking of that, Navy and Temple are playing. Navy is favored by 12.5, even though they're 2-8. and eight. That's very impressive to be favored by 12.5, and, and you're 2-8. and eight. That's very nice. Very, very nice. Miami and Duke is also this weekend as well. Appy State versus Georgia Southern. Could be an interesting one. Could be interesting. Hawaii, Wyoming. Yeah, it could be interesting. Western, Mich- Western Kentucky versus Marshall. Marshall has the best pass defense in Conference USA. And Bailey Zappi leads college football in both passing yards and passing touchdowns up until this point. 
Northwestern Illinois. Battle for the second-best Chicago school behind Iowa. <laughs> Tennessee Vanderbilt. Uh, Virginia Tech versus Virginia. Tulsa SMU. Arizona versus Arizona State. Kansas, West Virginia. Oh, Kentucky, Louisville. So much fun games going on this week, and I can't even contain it. In the final game, Cal versus UCLA. That will be a fun one. Very much recommend you watch Dorian Thompson-Robinson take on Cal because Cal is like Nebraska to a certain extent to where they are in a lot of games, just kind of unfortunate to come out the wrong side of those games, and they're coming off a very massive win against Stanford, who I don't think has won since they beat Oregon a few weeks ago. But yeah, Cal's coming off a very nice win. UCLA coming off a massive win against USC. First time Dorian Thompson-Robinson has beaten USC as a starter, which is really cool to see. So yeah, those are your college football games. And moving over to the NFL, got some nice games. We obviously got the Thanksgiving Day games for you this weekend. We got the Bears and Lions, which we'll get back to in a little bit. Then we got the Bills, Saints, and we got the Raiders and the Cowboys. But for the Bears-Lions, apparently, this is Matt Nagy's last game. Apparently. But then there was also some things that came out a little bit later that said, uh, it's not accurate. So I don't know what's going on. Now, I would completely understand where they're coming from with that, because if you lose the 0-9-1 Lions on national television, yeah, I'd be ready to fire my coach too. I wouldn't be sticking around for that either. I'd fire his ass super quick. (laughs) Super, super quick. But the Bills, they need to bounce back. Against the Saints, you can't lose to Trevor Simeon. I don't even know if they... Alvin Kamara is not even playing, to my knowledge yet. Now, it is Tuesday. Things could change by Wednesday or Thursday. But Alvin Kamara is not supposed to play. You cannot, they have no weapons. You cannot lose to this team. You can't. They're six-point favorites. I don't care if it's New Orleans. I know it's a tough place to play. But you won in Dallas on Thanksgiving. Beat the Saints. This is a better Bills team now than it was back then. Beat the freaking Saints. That's all I'm asking. Beat the New Orleans Saints. And then on Sunday, we got the Chargers and Broncos. Nice ASC West matchup right there. Steelers, Bengals, Bucks, Colts. Then we got... The Panthers and Dolphins, Titans and Patriots, Eagles, Giants, Falcons, Jags, Jets, Texans, Rams, Packers, Vikings, Rams, and Sunday Night Football. Should be a fun one. Hopefully Lamar's back, which he, sh- he will be. Browns and Ravens and Monday Night Football. We got the Seahawks and Washington football team. Good Lord. What a garbage game for Monday Night Football. Why can we throw the Rams and Packers on Monday Night Football? Why is that game an afternoon game? Why do I have to sit through and watch the only game ever on the game on the day, Seahawks and Washington? Why? I don't want to do that. This isn't Thursday night football. That's a Thursday night football game. Don't throw that on Monday. I want to start my week off good. I don't want to sit down and go, wow, this is some pretty exciting football right here. Pretty, pretty exciting. It's two really bad teams. And speaking of two really bad teams, the Texans and the Jets are playing, and Zach Wilson is supposed to make his start. He's back. Zach Wilson's back from injury. Both Joe Flacco and Mike White were placed on COVID reserve, so they're not going to play in the game. Zach Wilson, which even if they were healthy, Zach Wilson was going to play. I mean, it was a nice fairy tale for Mike White. Joe Flacco had a nice game last weekend against the Dolphins. It's Zach Wilson. I mean, he's voted captain. He's drafted second overall. He's going to start. He's going to start. He was going to start when my, before Mike White balled out against the Bengals. He was going to start after that as well. Told everybody to calm down on it. And they did. They finally did. 
and Mike White was sent down to the shadow realm with all other quarterbacks that peak during one game and then just completely fall off the face of the earth. That was very nice to see. <laughs> the Bills sent Mike White back to the freaking shadow realm. And then, yeah, it was pretty awesome. I did thoroughly enjoy that game. I feel kind of bad for Mike White because he seems like a really nice guy. But Bills needed to play well against a bad team. <laughs> so they did. They didn't beat the bad team they played the week before. So we got to take out all your anger on the next bad team you play, which is the Jets. And then Jonathan Taylor just beat the shit out of them. Beat the living hell out of the Buffalo Bills last Sunday. And Jonathan Taylor, like we said the other day, I think he's the MVP. I know it's on recency bias, but dude has scored at every game since week three. He's first in rushing yards, first in scrimmage yards, first in 10-plus yard rushes, and first in scrimmage touchdowns. Like, no quarterback this year really has dominated this year. Like we said, the midseason awards, it was Tom Brady. But even then, I could go like, oh, I could go to this guy, this guy, this guy. Jonathan Taylor has been playing out of his freaking mind this year. And with the quarterbacks not playing at the MVP level that we're used to seeing, I would give it to Jonathan Taylor. But again, I, again, I did just see him genetically jack hammer my team for five touchdowns or 200 plus yards of total offense. So I'm a little upset about that, a little hurt. And really motivated to go, yeah, that guy is really freaking good. Fantasy MVP to this point. I know he said Cooper Cup for that, but Jonathan Taylor, good lord. Balling out. <laughs> Dude's been freaking awesome, and I'm enjoying it. He seems like a good guy. Real nice guy, Jonathan Taylor. At least that's what it seems like. Could be completely wrong. Seems like a good guy, though. And before we close out today's show, we have got the week 11 quarter, or week 12, my bad. Quarterback prospect rankings. Week 12 quarterback prospect rankings. Oh my goodness, this is going to be so exciting, dude. Oh my gosh, so exciting. But yeah, here are the week 12 quarterback prospect rankings. Number one, and it's just, just, he's number one still. It's Matt Corral. It's coming close. Now, though he's still number one, number two is coming up for him very fast. Matt Corral, this is the first time in a few weeks, a few about a month, that he's thrown for multiple touchdowns in a game. We talked about that last week. In the last five games, he has five touchdowns. In one of those games, he didn't even throw a single touchdown. He threw two touchdowns in the game at 326 yards, rushed for 29 yards, with the most yards he's had since the Tennessee game, and this is the most passing yards he's had since week two. Now this season, 3,100 yards, 19 touchdowns, three picks. He's playing hurt, so we'll give him credit for that. He's playing in the toughest conference in college football. Yeah. I think right now, Corral still is number one. Mississippi State, they're on the road. They're the underdog, even though they're a number nine team in the nation. Time will tell on that. But for this week, right now, Matt Corral is still number one. Number two, it's Kenny Pickett. I couldn't keep Malik Willis at number two anymore. Even though I love Malik Willis, we'll get to him in a little bit. Kenny Pickett has balled out this year and is thoroughly deserving of the number two spot on this list. Kenny Pickett had four touchdown passes in the game. Also had 340 passing yards, two interceptions. And now Pitt's in the ACC championship game. They locked their place in the ACC championship game. They're the first team in the ACC to lock it up. Kenny Pickett has balled out. He's rushed for a good amount of yards this year. Didn't on this game, negative 14 yards. But yeah, 36 touchdowns, six picks on the season. Uh, he, he needs to be number two. And with Malik Willis... He just needs to stop trying to do too much. That's the main issue I have with Malik Willis this year. He's at number three. This week, 
two interceptions, did have two touchdowns, but also had only 28 yards. It's the lowest amount of yards he's ever had while rushing 20 times. 20 carries, 28 yards. Completed 41.2% of his passes, 126 yards. His numbers are all better than last year. Passing yards, touchdowns, rushing yards, they're all better, but he's had a few games where he's trying to force things a little too much. Now, I think, like we've said numerous times, his skill set, when it comes close to the draft, I think will separate himself. Because Corral is great. He can't do some of the stuff Malik Willis does. Same with Kenny Pickett. Great guys, great quarterbacks. Malik Willis can do whatever he wants on the football field. He just needs to stop forcing things. And they got pounded 42-14 to this week against Louisiana. A good Louisiana football team, though. Nothing to take away from them. And this week, you're playing Army. A tough defense. You're on the, You're at home. Hopefully, he stays in a rhythm when Army's rush first offense and the triple option. They will try to keep Malik Willis off the field. And you would have to imagine they control the time of possession because that's usually what triple option teams do. But Malik Willis hasn't... There's been a few games where he hasn't played that great. Middle Tennessee State, Louisiana Monroe, Ole Miss, he forced a few balls in there. Louisiana this week. All four losses... Malik Willis has tried to do too much. And that's why they ended up losing the game, in my opinion. And Middle Tennessee State didn't even lose. Syracuse was the game they lost. But Middle Tennessee State, he did not play very well. They dominated, but he did not play his greatest game. But I just he needs to calm down a little bit and stop trying to do that stuff. You don't need to be the hero all the time. But I think once we get going closer to the draft, Malik Willis' skill set will set him apart, even if he's number three right now. Number four, Carson Strong had a nice performance in a second straight week where they have lost by two points. Lost to San Diego State 23-21, just lost to Air Force in triple overtime, 41-39. And Carson Strong, 400, 351 yards, four touchdowns in the game. He's had a very nice year. He didn't rush for a lot of yards, negative 51 yards in the game against Air Force. Threw a pretty bad interception to quadruple coverage. Some would say even five people are in the range for Air Force. It was pretty bad. And it wasn't even like he tried to zip it in there. It was like a little floater in there as well. He didn't get hit. It just floated in there. But he's still at number four for this week. And number five, Desmond Ritter, he's the only one this year that I could think of that it's been in the top ten where he has caught a pass, ran or caught a touchdown, rushed a touchdown, and thrown a touchdown. He's done all three. And that was on senior day. He had 274 yards passing, three touchdowns, no picks, 46 yards on the ground, one touchdown, granted. It was a 40-yard touchdown run. And then he had a five-yard touchdown pass, touchdown catch. And this year, he has improved as a passer. And we talked about it a few weeks ago where I want to see him run more, but I completely understand why he's not because he wants to prove that he is the passer that we all want him to be. And he's balled out this year. Cincinnati's a top-four team in the nation now. Played a very good SMU team and won. But I don't think that he did enough this week to move above Carson Strong. I think Carson Strong... Is just above him, but it's very close. Number six, Sam Howell, unsurprisingly, didn't play. Talked about he had an upper body injury against Pitt. They're playing Wofford. They didn't win by as much as they were projected. They won 34 to 14, but I'm not surprised he didn't play. They're playing NC State this week, so rest him against the FCS school or a team that's one and nine up in that point. Take him on against NC State. That's what he should do, and that's what happened. Number seven, Hendon Hooker from Tennessee. I mean, there's not a lot to talk about this game either. Played South Alabama, a team you should really beat pretty good, and they did. 
60-14. to Hendon Hooker, two touchdowns passing, rushing touchdown. And there's not a lot to talk about with this game either. I mean, Sam Howell didn't play. Hendon Hooker played a very good game against a bat. They're not a great team, a lower-level team. They're FBS, but they're not at SEC standard. And Hendon Hooker had a very nice game. Number eight, the best performance of the weekend, in my opinion. Dorian Thompson-Robinson against USC. Again, like we said earlier, it's the first time he has beaten USC as the USC UCLA starter. Wilton Spate was the starter last time UCLA won. He did play, but he didn't start. He only registered a rush for one negative one yards in the game. Like, look at it. 349 yards, four touchdowns, two touchdowns on the ground as well. Did throw two interceptions, yeah. But you win 62 to 33. I know it's on the road, it's in Los Angeles, but good lord, dude balled out and he had a hurdle touchdown in the fourth quarter as well. Like, he had six touchdowns, almost 400 yards of offense. That is insane. This was his best game of his career. And he's been the starter for UCLA for about three and a half years. This was his best game at UCLA. You look at, like, look at all this. It's the first time he's ever thrown through over 300 yards. First time he's completed over 70% of his passes this season. And this is all season marks. I mean, I guess I should say not career best, but this is his best game this season. And the first time since October 9th, he has rushed for two touchdowns in a game. DTR is a baller, and I'm going to keep him on this list. I don't see him on a lot of lists. This dude's a baller. He plays for a team that's on the rise. He's been the quarterback of when they were terrible, and now they're on the up. And he's he's uh, benefiting from that. And I really like seeing how he's balling out. 18 touchdowns this year, 507 yards on the ground, 9 touchdowns on the ground as well. He is... One passing touchdown and one rushing touchdown away from equally Matt Corral's total touchdowns. Now he has doubled the interception. He has six interceptions to his name this season. Hasn't thrown for as many yards. But he's also missed some time with injury. So, yeah, he's had a great season. I know Sam Hartman has also had a great season. 31 touchdowns, nine picks. And he came up with a loss. But the past two weeks, completely sub-45% completion percentage. And then going again against Clemson. He did get sacked a crap ton. So I don't want to say this was a bad performance at all. Because it wasn't. Sam Hartman did not play bad against Clemson. He got sacked seven times. It was clearly the most he had this season. But I just think Dorian Thompson-Robinson's performance against USC was better. Both on the road. Both against conference rivals. Like, Wake Forest was favored to win. They lost 48-27. to They said if I remember correctly. I could be wrong about that. Again, he did not play bad. Dor- Sam Hartman did not have a terrible game. He got beat up. And lost. And Dorian Thomas Robinson had put forward a fantastic game and blew out their rival. So he had to move up one. So it's not really, oh, you're moving down because you played bad. No, you're moving down because the other guy played really, really good. And then number 10, Bailey Zappi. There's a guarantee in college football. It's that Bailey Zappi will put up monster yards for Western Kentucky. This week, 470 yards, six touchdowns. Wow. That is, it should be illegal to do this. A Western Kentucky... <laughs> they're in Conference USA. They're taking on a tough Marshall team this weekend. But like we said earlier, the best pass defense in Conference USA this season. But Bailey Zappi is leading the nation in both passing yards and passing touchdowns. And what I had the stat right here. Where did it go? Okay. Wait. Hold on. That ah, whatever. I'm not going to search for it too much because I don't want to. I don't want to just go in complete silence and try to find it. But he's had insane. Okay, here it is. Has now thrown five or more passing touchdowns in five games this season. He has not thrown less than three passing touchdowns all season. 
That is ridiculous. He's not in the biggest conference. He's not in the best team, but he's putting up some monster numbers. Monster, monster numbers. Now, I didn't want to put him above Sam Hartman this weekend because I still think Sam Hartman, on his day, is better. Even though the numbers aren't the exact same, but I think that also has the benefit with the fact that Bailey Zappi is in a very pass-happy offense and Sam Hartman's a lot better runner than Bailey Zappi is. And then looking at the other players that we have on here, the last five, Brennan Armstrong put together a nice performance against Pitt, come up short, 48-38. Dustin Crum from Kent State is on the list, only had 55 yards passing, but rushed for 114 yards and two touchdowns on the day. He had 13 touchdowns on the season with just two interceptions with also 560 yards with 10 rushing touchdowns. So I think he deserves a spot on here. Malik Malik Cunningham has balled out on the ground this year. He has 18 touchdowns on the year. But this game, now y'all, spoiler, he did ball out on the ground as well. But he had 303 passing yards and five touchdowns, but also registered 224 rushing yards and two touchdowns. He's almost at 1,000 yards rushing on the season, 933, 18 touchdowns like we said, and 18 passing touchdowns with only five interceptions this season. Malik Cunningham has been balling out this season. It was against Duke, so it was kind of expected. He still balled out. Jake Hayner, he's still mentioned on here. He didn't play this past weekend, but he's still going to get mentioned on here. And then Devin Leary killed Syracuse this past weekend, 303 yards, two touchdowns on the year, on the game, 31 touchdowns, five picks on the season. Had a very nice year for NC State. But yeah, that is our top 10 quarterbacks plus the others or the honorable mentions this week. So going through those picks again and telling you what the teams are playing this week, we got Matt Corral taking on Ole Miss. Number two, Kenny Pickett and Pitt are taking on Syracuse, which should be tough. Should be. Syracuse at the Dome play hard. The past few games, they've struggled, but early in the season, they were playing really tough defense at home. So we'll see if that remains true this week or if Pitt just brushes them aside like Syracuse has been the past two weeks. Um, Leak Willis and Liberty, they're taking on Army with their really rough defense. Carson Strong in Nevada will be taking on Colorado State with their tough pass defense, or decently tough pass defense, if I do say so myself. Oh, wait. Hold on. Yeah. Wait. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I was reading something else. I was re- I was getting teams confused. I was I was throwing in Colorado State stats with Marshalls. Colorado State has not won a game in five games, and they allow. I have this written down. I don't know why I didn't read it. Uh, Shevin Cordero, Cordero, Hawaii's quarterback. He passed for 406 yards in the game. The game close, but Carson Strong still had a nice game. I was combining two teams. I'm sorry about that. I said it earlier. Forget what I said earlier. I combined two teams. Uh, Desmond Ritter and Cincinnati are taking on East Carolina. They have a good defense. I know that. <laughs> They're 7-4 this season. Pitt, uh, North Carolina, Sam Howell will be taking on NC State. Hendon Hooker and Tennessee will take it on Vanderbilt. Dorian Thompson-Robinson and UCLA will take it on Cal. Uh, Sam Hartman and Wake Forest will be taking on Boston College. And Bailey Zappi and Western Kentucky will be taking on Marshall, who, again, have the best pass defense in Conference USA. So that is all I've got for you today. Might seem a little short as per usual, what we've usually been doing, but... I don't know. I'm kind of hot right now. My head kind of hurts. I kind of just want to end it here. (laughs) I don't really have a whole lot else to talk about today. Again, it was just treated like a Friday show, but mixed in with some Wednesday stuff. I don't really have a lot to talk about. Unless I'm completely blanking on something. James Franklin signed a big contract today at Penn State. The Bucs beat the Giants on Monday. 
Anything else that we just couldn't forget today? I, I don't know. Make sure you go follow me on all forms of social media, though. Logan Blackman Show on all forms of social media. Follow me on Twitter, my personal account, Logan underscore Blackman. Personal Twitter accounts, Blackman Logan. The Logan Blackman Show 1 is the Instagram account. Logan Blackman Show on Facebook. Give it a like. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel. And while you're listening, go and follow me on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and leave a rating on Apple Podcasts. I greatly appreciate it. Sorry if this wasn't the best. I feel like I rambled a lot and my head's really hot right now. So I'm not really thinking that clearly, as you saw towards the end of the show today. But I still hope you enjoyed. Hope you enjoy your Thanksgiving break. We will be back to you on Monday. Hopefully I'm in a good mood. Hopefully the Bills, Hawkeyes, and Panthers all come over with dubs. I'm, really, I'm severely doubting the Panthers, but I'm open to being wrong. Let's hope the Panthers get an upset dub over Western Kentucky. Gee, I did it Eastern Washington. Eastern Washington. Okay, we're just going to end it here. Have a good weekend. Have a good Thanksgiving. I will see you all later. Peace.